Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Happy Valentine's! This week we're learning about relationship obstacles. These are not just challenges we overcome in marriage, but in all of our relationships. We're built to have relationships, and not just with each other, but with God. When we're faced with obstacles in our earthly relationships, we need to turn to God to help us through them. Today, Pastors Dwayne and Jeannie are going to be walking us through some obstacles that we may face and how to overcome them. We've entitled today, Obstacles to Great Relationships. Uh, you were created for relationship. When uh, in Mark chapter four, Jesus delivers the Gadarene demoniac, a man who's possessed by the devil, who's living in a cave by himself, cutting himself, the Bible says day and night, he's running around, he's howling and screaming. And when Jesus delivers him and the people come and they see him, he's seated at Jesus' feet, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. And he says, Jesus, can I go with you? And this is what Jesus said to him. He says, go home to your family and to your friends. See, Jesus wanted to put him back in relationship. He'd been living alone. You know, the devil, the Bible actually says this. It says that he who isolates himself seeks his own good or his own opinion and rages against all sound judgment. You see, you were created to be in relationship, every one of us. Now, the, the, the most intimate human relationship that we ever have is the relationship of marriage. And we're going to be mentioning marriage a lot this morning, but most of what we're going to say has to, can be applied in every relationship. Now, sometimes, particularly in our culture today, people have this idea, well, if I could just find the right person, the right person, my soulmate, I mean, if I marry them, everything is going to be great. Everything's going to be easy. Hollywood has taught us you will, walk, you, you, you will go off into the sunset and live happily ever after and never have any problems, never have any disagreements. But the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, this is God speaking, by the way. He says, those who marry will have trouble. Now, you do not need to pray for trouble to come. All you need to do is get married. <laughs> and, and the reason is very simple. Uh, we have two imperfect people. And we put those imperfect people together, and there's going to be some friction. The idea that if I just married that right person, I missed it. If I had married the other one, I'd have been all right. Now, now listen, there is not a right person. There's a right type of person but there's not a right one person. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, again, she can marry whomsoever she wills. It doesn't say she's got to pray and fast and get the right one. She can marry whomsoever she wills, but only in the Lord. So there's the right kind of person, but there's not like, well, if I missed it, I'm just going to have problems forever. By the way, if one person missed it, that would mean because they had taken somebody else's spouse, they'd miss it, and then they'd miss it, and they'd miss it. I mean, you just have one person miss it, and the whole world's messed up. Right? So it's not that there's just this one person, but there is one type of person. There is one type of person. 
And again, in 1 Corinthians 7, it mentions one of the, the qualifications, which says, only in the Lord for a believer, right? Uh, I've read, I believe it was this week that a sociologist, Linda Waite, of the University of Chicago, studied thousands and thousands of marriages, and this is what she wrote. Two-thirds of unhappy marriages will be happy in five years. Two-thirds of unhappy marriages will be happy in five years. In other words, if you don't give up. You see, people with great marriages and good marriages, they didn't have less problems. They just worked through their problems. Uh, I, I remember early on in our marriage, I thought everything was great. But you know what? I was clueless. Jeannie let me know things were not great. And, 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 and it literally, it rocked my world. Because from my perspective, everything was great. But yet, I was not meeting her needs at all. In fact, uh, when she told me that, uh, I remember, I, I literally, I broke down. I just cried. And I said, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? And this is what Jeannie said to me. She says, I don't know what you should be doing, but I know you're not doing it. <laughs> Which was not a great help. No, I just, I just knew I'd gotten empty. <laughs> and uh, we were actually in the States at the time uh, at a, a conference, a missions conference. And so I went to the Christian bookstore in Houston, Texas. I bought every single book that they had on the subject of marriage and got a couple tape series as well. And I remember sitting down, and I'm reading this one particular book, uh, talking about the differences between men and women. And uh, the author of the book stated something that women think like this. And I read that to Jeannie, and I said, this guy is an idiot. Look what he, look what he says right here. And, and she said, that's exactly right. And I went, oh, am I in trouble? You know, that was when I began to learn, began to learn. You know, men and women, they think differently. They have different needs going into the marriage. You know, you have two people walk down the aisle, but honestly, what they are anticipating from the marriage is different. It is different. And uh, we think everything is the same. So the Bible actually says to men in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. And it actually is talking about you need to understand the needs that your spouse has. Right? And naturally, we don't, right? because we naturally think their need is our need. Right? So if I've come home, and Jeannie's over at the dishes, and she's kind of whimpering a little bit and crying, and, and, and I say to her, what's wrong? And she says, well, nothing's wrong. And I think, well, you know, I come up, and I think, yeah, well, isn't something wrong? No, nothing's wrong. And I immediately think, you know what she needs? She needs sex. See, L-O-V-E <laughs> to him meant that. And to me, it means another thing. She and I did need L-O-V-E, my version. Which is totally non-sexual affection. She needs to be hugged. She needs to be loved. She needs to be listened to. And then the other. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's not for... Yes, we've got to get there. <laughs> 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 now remember this marriage is God's idea it is God's idea and God gave us marriage for love 
for procreation, for protection. But when God created marriage, it was Adam and it was Eve and God. It was was all three together. And uh, to really have a great marriage, we need to have all three. Now, unfortunately today in in, uh, our society today, marriage is often more like a terminal sexual contract. Uh, We're just looking to have our needs met. And uh, that's it. And uh, by the way, it does not work very well. That's why we have such a high divorce rate. As long as you're meeting all of my needs and I'm happy, things are good. But if I'm not happy with something that's going on, well, then then we're gone. Uh, It actually happens in uh, the Bible, in the book of Judges, which is uh, in the beginning of your Bible, probably the uh, seventh book into your Bible. Uh, There's a man by the name of Samson. And uh, he, he takes a walk one day and he goes five miles from town and from his home, and he sees a beautiful girl. And he goes home and he, to his parents, and he says, hey, he says, I, I saw this girl. I want you to go, and I want you to get her for me as a wife. And the parents say, hold it, hold it. Uh, uh, this girl is a Philistine, and you are an Israeli. You're Jewish. You worship Jehovah God. She worships a God by the name of Dagon. And for those of you who don't know, this is kind of weird, but Dagon is a male mermaid. Can you think of an uglier thing than that? Right? So he, she, he's worshiping. He, she's like, look, you guys, your pulls apart. And, and this is what he says. he says. He says, get her for me as a wife because she looks good to me. Looks good to me. Uh, let me just say something right now. Looks change. They change. You know, that beautiful young girl, she's so beautiful. Look, one day, she's going to be waving goodbye to you in the morning, and the bottom of her arm's going to go like that. You know, it's going to... Stuff is... Look at her eyes. <laughs> stuff changes. So you say, what happened? Well, they get married. You know how long it lasted? Ten days. Ten days. How many know you need a lot more than looks good? Uh, so, so our culture is really promoting individualism, the individual freedom, autonomy, and self-fulfillment. And literally in our society today, those are considered to be the highest values, individual freedom, autonomy, self-fulfillment. But the Bible has something very different to say about marriage. If you look in Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, lay down your life for your wife like Christ laid down his life for the church and gave himself for her. It's not about self-fulfillment. And and honestly, marriage, and and I'm not going to take time to go there, but look in in Malachi chapter uh, 2, verse 14. It says that marriage is a covenant. We live in a contract society. In a contract, you protect yourself and you demand your rights. You get it written out in that contract, right? But in a covenant, you do the exact opposite. You give up all of your rights. In a covenant, you don't have any more rights. And and it's not my fulfillment. It's the fulfillment, the protection, the love of the other person. In fact, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than that they lay down their life. 
In, in our society, we think of love as a feeling. It, 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 go home, get a dictionary, get online, check it out. When it talks about love, it's a feeling. I feel, I feel, I feel. But biblically, love is not a feeling. Neither is it um, letters on a T-shirt. It's more. It's more. Look, Jesus is, is uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to the cross because he loves you. But let me tell you something. It didn't feel good. He's sweating drops of blood, and he's praying, and he's saying, God, if there is any other way to redeem humanity, do it that way. But not my will, your will be done. He laid down his life. Right? And it wasn't this feeling of, oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. It was hard. It was difficult. We look at 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 13, verses 4 through 8, particularly if you look in a message Bible or an amplified translation where it's expanded. Uh, what it talks about is love not being a feeling, but it's an action. It is something that you do. And uh, we need to recognize that our culture is, is leading us in a direction that is not a biblical direction. It's about the individual freedom, self-autonomy, self-fulfillment. Right? But the Bible talks about love being laying down your life for somebody else. Yeah, now um, I want to talk about the, one of the first obstacles to great relationships. And before I do, I want to explain I had surgery Monday on an eye. My eye is so, I was like, that's very bright. And I thought, I wear glasses, and I feel like I've got a wall between you. And then I put the hat on this time so that it won't glow in my eyes. And anyway, so. I think it looks really good. <laughs> so anyway, I'm trying to keep away from the brightness there. Um, the obstacles to great relationships, one of the big ones, and I, I want you to know that um, it's really important that we understand that um, a marriage relationship doesn't start after you say, I do. You start learning about relationships the day you're born. I mean, we start learning how to relate to people. And, and you know, everybody knows that babies are born like really into me, my, myself, me. You know, they scream when they want something. They want it now. They don't they don't know anything about your needs or how you feel. I mean, every mom knows, you know, the baby doesn't care that you, you just got back in bed and just had fallen asleep. Oh, I want you now again. And, and then you just get back to sleep. And then they want you again. And, and it just it goes on and on because that's the way they're born. In fact, um, we need to understand that every single one of us, since Adam and Eve made the choice they did, that... Um, in, Proverbs, it describes the simple, and this is a good description of every human being. We are born, and simple means without moral direction and inclined toward evil. And that's the way we're born, just without any moral direction. And if you just leave us to ourselves to figure it out, we'll be inclined to make the choice to be selfish, to be all about me, to make wrong choices. Isn't that true? You don't have to teach kids to be to hit and their brother or their sister or or to to steal or to do stuff. I mean, it just seems they're inclined to do it wrong if you don't teach and train and and uh, put them without um, the input from loving parents and from God and His Word. We are inclined to do it wrong, 
And so really this learning, you learn obstacles to a great marriage relationship when you're little. And parents, you need to be aware of this too, that a lot of, you're not just teaching and equipping your kids to make your home environment a nice place to live, but you're teaching and equipping the children in how to relate to others, how to relate to one another, um, how to solve problems and, and differences and, and uh, get along. And, and this first obstacle I have down here is that you, they won't accept corrections. This is an obstacle. If you won't accept corrections, uh, you think, no one should try to change me. And I, I know how to do it, and I've got the best way, and I've got, I've got it figured out, and it's my way or no way. And like I said, this happens, and it starts young. And some of you might have had some kind of maybe out of balance. I should say we probably all had some kind of out of balance childhood because not there's not such a thing as a perfect parent. Um, Dwayne and I made so many mistakes, and every parent, with all our good intentions, we, we overlook things and we do make mistakes. And maybe you have some hangovers from some childhood issues in your life of corrections that weren't done right, that went wrong, that was maybe over, overdone or corrected the wrong way, and I just invite you right now to not carry that on into the rest of your life, but to put it under the blood and let Jesus wash it clean. And you need to forgive those that didn't do things right and um, let God equip and teach you to relate well and, and to receive correction. And I think about um, can I, Stephanie. Can I, can I interrupt you? You, you sure. get to Stephanie in just a moment, okay? Um, one of the things that we often do when we're, when we're kids and something happens in the family, and it can happen later in life, but we make an inner vow. We say, I will never let a woman do this. I will never treat my kids like that. I will never. And we make this inner vow, and it holds us in bondage. And especially when we're kids, because we see things from a perspective and we, we really do not get a full picture of what's going on. But we make inner vows. I will never let a woman do what my mother did. And I will never let a man do what my, my father did. And I will never, I will never. Those, those inner vows that we make, uh, they can hold us in bondage. And when we know that we've made them, uh, so often we don't, but when we realize what we've done, it, it, it will cause you to uh, live your life in a crooked, wrong way. And uh, when you find them, you need to break those things in Jesus' name. Break them so you can be free. Now, I wanted you to get to that yeah. illustration about, no, about stuff. That's either. really important and really, really good because, in fact, we read this in one of our many books that we read together on marriage relationships, and the author had really excellent, excellent advice, and then she came to a chapter, and you could tell she had been hurt, had wrong things done in her life and to her, where she had made an inner vow that I will not, um, you know, let that happen, uh, a man treat me like that again, whatever. And, um, but anyway, she was giving all this good counsel, and in the middle of that good counsel, um, she said, you know, the way that um, 
I, I think it was her father or whatever. Don't, don't ever forgive that person. She treated said. you bad. You don't have to ever forget it. You remember it and you don't let him, you, you like don't, hold don't him accountable anybody. for it, but you just put him in this pocket. And then you live out of this pocket so you can relate to your husband. And she's thinking you could relate to your husband well because you can live out of this pocket. But I'll tell you what, if you put dog poop in this pocket, it's going to stink up this pocket and this <laughs> pocket and this pocket and this pocket. And it's going to mess up your life. You're going to go around smelling and your husband's, you're going to have a hard time relating because the smell is just going to be there. And, and who knows what you forget and stick in that pocket and then you pull that out and then it's polluted and then your kids are polluted. And the Bible says that bitterness in the heart, it's like a root and it, it just affects everything. And so, yeah, definitely um, it's not worth carrying around somebody else's mistakes in your heart and in your life. You can let God cleanse and deal with them. You forgive them and, and leave leave them in God's hands to deal with, to correct with. Um, revenge is mine, saith the Lord, not, mm -hmm. not for you to try to deal. Well, I was going to share about um, receiving correction and, and um, about Stephanie um, because... Who is she? Who is she? Stephanie, our daughter. Oh, okay. So we have three sons and then we had our daughter <laughs> who, after you... Somebody told me years ago that, you know, usually... Every family will have at least one strong-willed strong child. Well, we had four. <laughs> I, I think they all were quite strong-willed. But by the time I got, so we had the three boys, and I got my little girl, and I had the picture of her just being born with this compliant, sweet, oh, whatever you want to do, Mom, I want to, you know, I just had that. She was going to be the angel in the midst of all the rowdiness. And um, she just came out different. <laughs> um, she came out, you know how I said, like, without moral direction and inclined toward evil. And that cannot really show up very much until you have some of those children who are really strong in character, wouldn't cooperate with the sweetness that I wanted her to be. And, and she was like, I, it, it just shows, because that thing inside of her. I remember she's three years old and she, I wanted her to get her dress on so we could go to church and get out of the little play clothes that she had on. And, and she stands there and I'm not kidding. She plants her feet like this and puts her little hand on her hip. I want to wear this. <laughs> I mean, with all the force she could. And she's just like, you know, little, but she was puffing herself up big inside because she knew how she should do it. And so it was day after day was this, this um, battle. battle and this opinion of, of, I know best. I know better than you. And this whole thing about accepting correction. So parents, it starts, uh, you know, it's, it starts when they're little of teaching and equipping them and helping them learn how to receive correction. And I... Stephanie grew up to be the most perfect, wonderful teenager, like an angel in teenage clothing. And, and if anybody knows her, she's just an amazing, sweet woman of God. But um, I, I was, this one incident when um, 
Stephanie, I was trying to get her to go to bed, and I think this was even two years old. Stay in your bed. It's time to go to sleep. She got where she could crawl over the crib wall, so, you know, that comes down. And they've just got to learn to stay in there by themselves. There's no crib. That, there's no walls that can hold her in there. And I, we're really not supposed to chain them to the bed, you know? So we're supposed <laughs> to train them, not chain them, train them to stay in bed and go to sleep when it's bedtime. And so I gave her the whole, you know, nice little story and, and about the little girl who stays in bed. And, and, <laughs> and um, you know, I'm just trying to just equip her with everything she needs to make the right choice and stay in bed. And she, um, and, and I tucked her in and, oh, what a big girl you're going to be. Stay in bed. Gave her a kiss. And, and then I was such a woman of faith that... Um, so the bed, her bedroom was at the top of the stairs, and I went out the door and down the stairs a few steps and sat there with my book to read because I kind of had a feeling she wasn't going to obey. <laughs> and sure enough, seconds later, she pops out of the bed and she comes out the door to run down to go play with one of her brothers. And so I... I picked her up, and I said, no, Stephanie, you've got to obey mommy. It's the right thing. And I took her back in, and I gave her a spanking again, and, and I said, no, you know, you stay in bed. So there was the swat and the, and the put you back down, and, and then I went back out and sat down a few steps down there, and, and I heard her kind of, okay. And then pretty soon, oh, the, it's getting closer. And she's, sure enough, she gets out of bed and she comes down and she's walking down to see her brother. So I pick her up and I said, no, that you disobeyed. You've got to stay in bed because tomorrow morning, you know, and I gave her the whole thing and I loved on her and gave her another swat and, and, and um, you don't want to be spanked. This hurts and you want to be wise and you want to obey, you know, and I gave her all the talk. And so down to bed she went and I went down the stairs again. And she gets up, and instead of walking, this time she's on all fours, and she's crawling. And she's whimpering and crawling, but she's going to go do, see her brothers because she had decided. Uh, she was not real good at accepting correction. And, and uh, so that time I took her to bed, and I, I um, held her down until she passed out. <laughs> I patted her back and rubbed her, and I learned that also it could rub her face, and, and I would rub over her eyes like this, you know, and, and, until her eyelids got so heavy that she couldn't keep them open. I, a lot of moms probably have done that. But um, just that they're, they're young. But if you don't learn to receive correction and what it means when you're younger, and maybe you didn't learn when you're younger, and you are... Um, teenager, college, whoever knows what age you are, this is an incredible, important thing to learn. Um, it says in Proverbs 6. You got to get back to Stephanie. Oh, what did I do? Well, I corrected her. Yeah, but then you, you did something that was very important. Oh, actually, this is combining two stories. But, but um, this one goes back to the one where she was in that outfit and I told her to change and she didn't want to change. I forgot which story I was telling. And anyway, she was, so she was all huffy about not wanting to get her will. And, and I was so frustrated. I, th I thought, I don't care what she wears. Just wear whatever. Because who wants to fight with a three-year-old and about an, what she's going to wear? But you can't handle them when they're three. What are you going to do when they're 15? And that's what my, my big thought was, you know what, if you just let her do what she wants now because you don't want to take the time and the trouble to correct this and teach her, 
then, you know, it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get better. It's going to get harder. And I remember that day I got down on my knees next to her as God just revealed to me. Um, and she is standing there just seething with the energy of, I want what I want, what I want, I want what I want, I want, I'm going to get what I want. And so I, I got down on my knees, so I was eye to eye to her, and I said, Stephanie, you, you know that feeling you have right now, all that in there? And she's, <laughs> I mean, she could feel it. And I said, that's some energy that God put in you to be strong enough to say no to the devil when he tries to tempt you to cheat and to steal and to disobey mom and dad and, and um, to be a bad girl. But God gave you that energy so you could just stand in the face of the devil and say, no, I'm not going to go your way. I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to bless my parents. I'm going to obey. And she's standing there and her eyes are just really big like, wow, wow, I'm a good girl. And, and <laughs> it was a revelation to me too because it's so easy as parents to see our kids to see someone acting like that and think, oh, they're such a brat. They're just hopeless. And what am I going to do with them? And we can feel helpless. And, and here he was, and she was just like, okay, I am a good girl. And she um, just kind of like, okay. And she got her dress on. We got all dressed for church, went to church. And, and everybody told her how cute she was, which was wonderful. Thank you. Thank and, you. and then when we got home, I had to get her out of the dress and into the play clothes, which was <laughs> another story. But, but she began from that day. She and yeah. I both saw a different look of, of um, she got that picture of, you know what? I have energy. I, ha I am e being equipped by God to do what pleases him. And I'm not going to let the devil take the good equipment that he's given me and turn it around and use it for rebellion and heartache and to cause me all kinds of trouble that, that causes me uh, to go and make wrong choices and go the wrong way. And it doesn't matter where we are in life, but um, if you can't accept correction and instruction, and it says here, the commandment is a lamp, the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So in other words, when it's talking about the reproofs of instruction, it's saying the way every single one of us learns is by correction. Now, it mentions the reproof of correction. Now, this might be a simple example but if uh, after a service, somebody comes up to me and says, Dwayne, that is the worst sermon I have ever heard, and you're a terrible preacher. Now, let me ask you, what good does that do? None. But if somebody comes up and says, you know, you, you said this, but if you had said this and had approached it this way, more people would have been able to receive what you said. Now, how many you know that's going to help? See, and the person that loves you, that wants to help you, that cares for you, that's the person you can receive from, right? And that's the person who gives you the reproof of correction. They say, this is what you did, but here's how you can improve. How many want to improve? Yeah. I, I want to improve in my marriage. I, I want to improve on, in, in, in pastoring. I want to improve in communicating. We want to grow. And the way the Bible says that we grow is by receiving the reproofs of correction. Now, here's the terrible thing. When we're insecure, we feel like it's an attack. Right? They're attacking me. They don't accept what I'm doing. But the truth is they care for you, and they want to help you, and they want you to grow. 
So they're, 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 the person who just, you're bad, that's not going to help. You don't need to receive that. But the person who comes who loves you, who wants to help you, wants to help you grow and improve, that's the correction the Bible teaches us that we need to have an open heart to and we need to receive. I want to thank you for being with us today. And you know, the Bible says this. It says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. So many people, they believe in God. They believe Jesus arose from the dead, but they don't know that they have everlasting life. If you're not sure you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be with God. Now, in Romans 10, the Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And right before it, it gives us really the way to call on the name of the Lord. It says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to lead you right now in a prayer to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. If you're away from God, you're not right with God, you don't know where you stand with God, this is for you. So I'm going to invite you, pray this prayer. I want you to repeat these words out loud from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you were right with God. You're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. All the information is right there on your screen. You can download that book for free. Or if you need a hard copy, contact us and we'll send it to you free of charge. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you. We pray for you. God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBFTV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray you know you are loved and you have an amazing week. We'll see you again next time.